0: Welcome to the Radio Player's special presentation on WSIU of the original radio drama, Postage Due.
1: Hello and welcome to Radio Player's rendition of Postage Due, a play written by Steve Falcone and set in a small post office in rural Ireland. Tune your ear to the brogue and enjoy. I am Elizabeth Donahue, And I will be reading the role of Nuala Scully, one more woman, widowed to the drink, who has somehow kept a lifelong secret in this tiny, tangled town.
2: I'm Peg Falcone. As the narrator, I'll try to tie things together.
3: I'm Dick Matthews, reading the role of Liam Kearney, the head clerk who keeps the postal station up and running as best he can by the rules and regs given him.
4: I'm Kevin Rathundi, portraying the part of Cormac McCann, the only living relation of Uncle Teddy, intent on grabbing his uncle's pension payment.
5: I'm Christopher Rathundi,
6: reading the part of Dear Gallagher, Cormac's best mate and aide in presenting Uncle Teddy to receive his due. I'm Pam Matthews, reading the role of Siobhan McCarthy, a feisty feminist postal worker ever ready to fight for her rights.
7: I'm Steve Falcone, reading the role of Father Charlie O'Rourke the fire-and-brimstone parish priest who finds demons to battle everywhere.
8: I'm Eric Billingsley, reading the part of Declan Flanagan, the handsome young Garda who sniffs around in search of the hidden mystery.
0: I'm Joe Gray, reading Desmond Doyle, the town coroner, whose wisdom, born of experience, helps unravel the knot in the plot.
2: Act One, Scene One. A small postal office in rural Ireland is just opening its doors for business as two young fellows, Cormac McCann and Dermot Gallagher, half carry, half drag an elderly man through the door and plop him on a bench, causing the clerk, Liam Kearney, to look up in amazement.
3: Are you mad altogether? Wishing in here at this hour, it is indecent. Are you not open? Your sign says 10 o'clock. We are, by rule, but would you not allow a man time for a cook before
4: facing the day? Now, my watch says... Aye, that's a fine timepiece. Four minutes past the hour precisely.
5: Ah,
4: and you are most welcome,
3: sir. The voice is familiar. I've heard it before. I never forget a voice, do I, Siobhan? Siobhan, Miss Carthy.
6: Heard you the first time, Mr. Kearney. Are you wanting me to dash out there to answer your question or sort the mail? Now, I can do the one, or I can do uh, go whatever... Go
3: away, go away, woman. Back to your work. <sighs> Women, there's no chance of a decent conversing with that one. Fair play to her, she's a steady worker. Not that there's enough mail sorting to last through half the morning.
4: Why the devil are you seated, my tight inquire, mate? You, <sighs> no, uh, yesterday, I called about a pension claim. I knew it. I knew that I knew it. I never forget a voice. Ah, uh, then you'll no doubt recall my request to draw me uncle's pension payment for him.
5: I'd nothing to do with the call.
4: Well now. We know that, don't we? It not being a conference call. And not being permissible for some unfathomable reason. We don't make the regulations, sir. We merely enforce them. Ah, says you. A country of civil servants feedin' at the public trough.
3: I'll kindly ask you to leave if we've any more of that bombast.
5: Hush now, man. You're doing yourself no assistance.
4: Do accept me apology. This whole business has me at sixes and sevens. What with the sad state of me uncle here and me efforts to get his pension to Mr. Uh... Kearney, Liam, so long as you keep a civil tongue in your head. It won't happen again. Now, if we might proceed. Certainly, sir.
3: We need only your uncle's signature on the proper document to release a good man's...
4: Check to Mister oh, Kearney, uh, Liam, take a gander at your man. He's knackered, poor soul. Would it not do for his nearest and dearest of kin to, to Michael Collins the farm for him? You being the nearest and dearest, I presume. Cormac McCann at your service, nephew and long-time caretaker of Uncle Teddy.
3: <laughs> Mac <Mac-mac>, Mac is it? <laughs> Bet you got that a lot at school. Oh, I did. I did. Sure, I would if I could. But I won't, because I it can't. It's the so long and short of it, Mr. McCann. Tis bound by the rules I am. my hands are tied.
4: Not a bad idea. <clears throat> Do you see how the elements conspire, Uncle Teddy? To cheat an honest man of his... Uh... The
2: door flings open and a priest enters. A puff of fog behind him.
4: Just
7: reward one. Is it not a struggle for all men to obtain a heavenly crown?
2: food. Siobhan sticks her head out from back.
6: Sure, tis no jamboree for us women either, would you say, Father Charlie? I would not, Siobhan,
7: though my experience has shown that the gentler gender to be less bestial by nature, instinctively given to nurturing, a more Christian pursuit.
6: Ah, oh, you make me want to run out and breastfeed, Father.
3: Yes, now, Guru. that's no way to be talking
7: before a man of the cloth. <sighs> There's a devil within us all clamoring to leap out into its worst. None among us is immune from evil. Even your own mammy, father? You've a sharp tongue that betrays a lack of respect, child.
3: The brazen Uh, effrontery of this one. She ought to be down on her knees asking forgiveness.
7: Time enough for that of a Saturday evening in the confessional. The perfect spot to acknowledge one's shortcomings
6: before the Lord. I'm always before the Lord, father. And haven't women been on their knees long enough in this country? Ah, that... That's that,
3: that's it. You're out. Gather your essentials and be gone.
6: You'll not be running me off these federal premises, Mr. Kearney. As me immediate superior, you may supervise me in the completion of me duties in a timely manner. Which they always are. I'll now be back to sorting the post, and you gents may go to hell.
3: Oh, rest assured I'll have that harlot out of here the moment her paperwork clears.
6: Have you seen the morning mist? You mean the,
7: like, fog feather? A white shroud around the entire landscape. Down Stapleton Road, through the heart of town, goblin everything in the path. The scent of sin tick upon it for all its pure you.
3: Lyrical. Heavy.
7: Scary. The tick sniff at the foul fiend from hell envelops all. We beseech ye, almighty Father. Cast thy wrath down upon sinners and purge them of the evil that stalks
2: them. On your knees, sinners. No! Slowly, Liam and Cormac kneel. As Dermot stays on the bench with Uncle Teddy, Father O'Rourke stares hard at him.
5: Oh, He's in no condition to move, Father. I must hold on to keep him stable. Surely the Lord would understand. Ah, he sees even our deepest secrets and darkest faults.
7: Nothing. No one escapes him. Big pardon, Father. Are you referring now to God or the devil? That is the evil one's plan. To disguise himself as the Almighty, even as he sneaks into our hearts and minds. Diabolical, Precisely, sinner. We must scour our thoughts and deeds incessantly for signs of the Dark One. None are exempt from his corrosive influence. Watch, pray, keep faithful vigilance to escape such toxic vapors.
2: Spins on his heel and is gone.
3: To think we used to refer to the man as Treery O'Leary at school.
2: Scene three.
4: Now then, Mister Carney. I'm certain that a man of your wisdom and expertise is well acquainted with the rules and regs of the social services system. That I am. Or I'd not be the clerk in charge. Oh, I see that right enough now. Why, well, any man coming through the door could tell straight away who's the man in charge. Oh, sure. It's written all over you. Is it not written all
5: over him, D? Germut! Oh, my. Yeah, yes, 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 I, I could read the man a mile off. Man in charge, he reads.
4: Your expertise in such matters now established. I refer you to the notion of a temporary agent to collect a pension payment for any-
2: The door is thrown open to admit a ray of sunshine and a tiny woman of 60 years or more who whisks in bearing a package half as big as herself. Everything about Nula Scully is blunt, down to her iron ringlets.
3: Morin' Nula, did you have a way to make through the fog?
1: (sighs) Grand to see chivalry alive and well amongst the men of Ireland. Oh,
4: will you no, want no, no, some to assist? Oh,
1: Nula Scully knows how to do for herself. Has all these long years since Seamus departed this mortal turmoil.
3: God bless and keep him for the good man that he was.
1: Oh, I do pray the Lord will keep the old sot. God knows I couldn't keep him from the pub. Twas his undoing, to be sure.
3: 'Tis a good man's failing.
1: Oh, sure. He must be the best of men. Then the number of times he broke his oath—even the pioneers eventually gave up on his constant stumbling. <gasps> like your man here in his cups, is it?
5: Oh, you've taken the matter crossways, Missus Scully. It's badly under the weather. Poor Teddy is.
1: Well, that's the powerful weather that blows your man over. So does it come from a brown bottle? I wonder.
3: Looks can be deceiving, Noodle.
1: I think. They Endlessly. Give it a rest, do. I've seen this stage of the gargle before. Your man is mangled, pure and simple.
5: Uh, Tis a hard judgment from a Christian woman.
1: Of the judgment a pair of eyes have seen this sad exhibition countless times and grappled with this very predicament. Will I lend a hand?
5: Uh, uh, Not necessary, thanks all the same. T'would not be advisable for you to come closer. He may be contagious. Lord,
3: preserve us. Is it a viral one you've brought into our midst, unmasked to boot?
4: What the devil are you blabbering about, Dermond? There's not a scrap of infection in me, Uncle. But Teddy's only failing old age, pulling a good man down.
1: When you're done pulling him up again, gentlemen, might I get some postal assistance, uh, do you think?
3: Uh, uh, it won't be a moment, love, to would restore this poor
6: misfortune to more fortunate
2: tilings. Ah,
1: oh,
6: grand is to see you, Mrs. Scully. How might I be of assistance?
1: Nice to see you as well. Uh, yes, I'm wishing to post this parcel. Ooh, will we ship it by rail? Sure, it'll
6: want a boxcar to hold it.
1: <laughs> Would I could send more to me poor lad so far away from his mammy. Bitter cold it gets in them parts. How is Georgie going at school? If it's Shorsha you refer to, not well at all, at all.
4: Oh, not making grades, is it?
1: How could he? With all the distraction of a libertine father, run off with the family funds and that harlot of his.
5: Oh, it is sinful and shameful for man is, missus.
1: While his son goes about in the only jumper that he's known these years since the wastrel left us. I re it each time he comes home, only to have it unravel again in jig time, leaving poor Shorsha traipsing about like some bog trotter. <laughs> Oh,
5: uh, might it not be that he's taken on weight? <laughs> they do speak of the freshman 15.
1: Whoever they are ought to be minding their own bloody business.
3: Did you have that massive bundle this long way through the fog?
1: What the devil are you blabbing about, Mr. Kearney? Has the man a bottle stashed whereabouts? <sighs> there's there's not a peak of fog on the morning. Grand and soft the day is with God's rays beaming down.
3: Begging your pardon, Nuala. I was given to understand the land was cloaked and mist.
1: Just who might have proposed this inanity to you?
3: Well, Father Charlie said this. Oh, Charlie... say
1: no more. Charlie works in his own private fantasy. Always was. This is a priest you speak of, Mrs. Scully. Oh, this is the boy who announced in his fifth grade class that he speaks to his guardian angel. At that age, perhaps spiritual ardor? Oh, ardor, my arse. Charlie was muddled at birth and grew idled with age.
3: He was a strange boy.
1: Named his guardian angel Wonder Wings. Saved a spot for him at the lunch table. Now who in God's name gave that man the care of human souls, I ask you?
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, So no fault?
1: The Almighty is scooping handfuls of sunshine down on us. I suggest getting that sad soul out into the fresh air. T'would do him a power good. "'I intend to breathe in the sweet day all the way home." "'Oh, I wager you'll be making better time back "'without this millstone weighing at ya.' "'Tis only the new underwear a boy would never purchase on his own. "'The odds, shirts, and trousers any healthy boy requires. "'He's growing apace, I must confess. "'A merciful miracle with the slops served in the dining hall.' Not will fit there be for. Will the
3: insurance on your parcel, Noola?
1: Little need for this load of bits and bobs. Regular postal do just fine. Perhaps one of these gentlemen could assist Miss McCarthy with my enormous bundle. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <Yeah, laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. little boys in grown-up clothes who never truly became adults. Come over there and
2: sort you out, will I? Oh,
5: oh no, 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 that's no, no, that's no.
2: the door bursts open as a tall young guard fills the frame.
8: Somebody call for justice.
2: Scene four. Ireland's finest is at the door. A tall, happy chap who looks fit for anything, good or bad. His smile's infectious.
8: How are my favorite postal people this lovely morn?
2: Just how many postal people have ye made the
6: acquaintance of, Garda (laughs) Friennigan?
8: There you go. Split me hairs again, lass.
6: Ah, but such lovely hairs they are, curly and all.
8: Ah, it is dangerously close to sexual harassment of a Garda.
6: Does our garter like it?
8: Ever so much.
1: Uh, if we might interrupt the billing and cooing, would you ever lend a hand, Garter Flanagan, with this poor misfortunate? Wait,
8: what what is your man?
4: "'Tis me own poor Uncle Teddy. Much worse for the wear."
8: "'Ah, and the gargle, is he?'
4: "'What might you be meaning by that remark, Gerda?' "'I'll have you know, this pioneer's been in the dry for a good fifteen years." Or Carmack, I
5: remember it so like it was yesterday. Yeah, your man okay. is sober.'"
8: "'But they say he was a right saucer in his day.'"
3: "'Most of what what is said so are gone themselves, unless they took the pioneer oath.'" "'As did
4: Mr. Kearney.'"
8: Aye that I did.'" "'As the symptoms come sudden over, your uncle.'"
4: Terrible sudden it was. Right as rain on the way, coming to sign
5: for his pension.
3: As he must by law, I keep telling the nephew here. Oh,
5: uh, whistling and cracking jokes, as was Uncle Teddy's way. Ah, uh, he was a firecracker
4: now. <laughs> Had us half in stitches all the time. Or was it all in stitches half the time?
3: <laughs> I never saw anything like such humor from Teddy these many
5: decades. Oh, he was selective, Teddy was. Only opened up to them he truly cared for.
8: Let's have a look, see, shall we? Me training may serve me well here.
6: Oh, me
1: me own background might prove useful. Go away, nurse school dropout. Leave the guard to his duty.
4: I suggest we leave Uncle Teddy's tendon to family. To come round and find himself confronting an officer of the law would devastate him for sure. Oh, tis shattered he be.
8: All the times that I've incarcerated your man, I never knew him to be close to devastation. In any event, the person in question must be officially examined in the best interest of all concerned. That
3: does seem for the best. Who asked
2: you? <laughs> Declan pushes Cormac aside and feels for a pulse. Uncle Teddy's dead. <laughs> oh, did I
3: not say Declan's a bright lad? He'll be making inspector any time now.
2: Scene 5. Uncle Teddy is now laid out lengthwise on the bench. The others gathered about him.
3: Your man is dead. Tis a shame and a pity, and complicates the pension situation further.
4: I see no difficulty at all, Mr. Kearney. If anything, process is clarified with the deceased's pension going to the next of kin. And <laughs> well, we all know there was but Uncle Teddy and myself left of the McCann's.
3: Easy peasy. Not uh, easy at all, I fear, dear man as the loss of the rightful pensioner is not covered in any of our literature, which I've analyzed early, I assure you. I've no earthly notion what peasy means, but the situation warrants consideration from other quarters.
4: Oh, you've not heard the last of me, Kearney.
3: I didn't suppose I had.
6: (laughs) Are you not well, Mrs. Scully? Will I boil a cup? Oh. Oh, of course I will, love. This is most upsetting to us all.
1: Not necessary. Thanks all the same. Touch of the flu's had me. Uh, really, I must rush home uh, with all haste. Uh, condolences for your loss, Cormac. Uh, I'm,
8: I- I'm afraid that uh, you'll be detained a bit longer, Mrs. Scully. Whatever for? Well, under the circumstances, no one will be leaving for a bit. And what circumstances would those be Garda, you'd not be
4: suggesting foul play. Now there's a terrible accusation to be hurling about. As
5: if any would think of bringing harm to such a darling fellow. Tis a slanderous statement. Actionable, one might even suggest. Uh, uh, Let's
8: keep within ourselves, shall we lads? No one's claiming foul play. The fact is... A man has expired on the premises, from all appearances, requiring an investigation as routine procedure. Now, I'll begin with a brief statement from all that's gathered.
3: Well, what manner of statement would you hope to be getting from those who have just observed one of our number that passed from our midst? Right. Mm-hmm. The only statement made here is already come from above. We'll uh-huh. come back to you, Mr. Garnie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was my angel, a most angelic gentleman. Seems <laughs> Mrs. Scully
8: wishes to go next.
6: Lord in heaven, Nuala. Was you having it on with
1: Uncle Teddy? Such a tawdry term to express the spiritual bliss that was ours. Oh
4: Tis but a ruse to establish a palimony suit and trot off with me uncle's hard-won wages. Uh,
1: I, I, I
5: don't believe that statute applies in Ireland. <laughs> I know for a
4: fact that only legal spouses are entitled to half the estate of a divorced or separated couple.
8: You lads seem well acquainted with the spousal dispersal laws of the land.
4: Well, the man's got to be prepared to protect the family assets. Mm-hmm.
1: Who cares for euros? Twas this precious soul I crave forever and ever.
8: <gasps> One moment, all. Must I uh, contact the station, as well as the coroner?
3: Oh, a mobile message to my me superior is clearly in order.
6: Might I suggest a cup of tea or a coffee to soothe our jangled nerve ends? After the likes of such a shock, I do know a thing or two about the nervous system. Will I lend a hand? Not at all necessary, Noola. Rest yourself easy. Ah, uh, none for me this late of a morning. Makes me tummy unruly. Oh,
1: in any event, I, I truly must be going. I'm leaving now. Yeah,
8: I, 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 I as I've already stated.
1: Nobody's departing at this time. By what authority do you detain me, Garda Flanagan? I know me rights.
8: Then you must also know your responsibilities as well, Mrs. Scully, to abide by the the law. Now this
3: grousing? Tis most unseemly before, before
7: Teddy himself.
2: The door bursts open to a puff of fog, and Father O'Rourke... That's the man of portable
4: mist, do you
2: wonder? Woe unto
7: him who goes against the righteous,
6: for his torment is eternal.
4: Inspiring, Father Charlie.
6: the man does make an entrance. Did he sense the presence of death like some dark angel come to take reckoning? The old sot's at it again, is he? Come out of the fog, Father! The man is dead!
7: Holy Mother of God! Protect us!
3: Ah, tis a bit late for that, Father. Have you an invocation pertinent to the moment? Is it uh, not time for the last rites, Father?
5: Ah, yes, yes. What do you call it? Extreme unction. Ah, there's your man! Did you bring your oils, Father? I knew this mist bore evil intent. The fog,
1: father. This clinging haze hides the angel of death. Is that in the Bible? His demon came from the bottle. Been chasing him for ages now. Finally caught up. We must
8: establish the time of death with as much exactness as possible. Would uh Would you give an estimate, dearmit? How on earth should I know? I'm only here in support of me, mate.
5: But it doesn't have to be exact. A ballpark figure would do nicely. Well, Carmack's the athlete. Ask him. Teddy being his uncle by blood?
1: Sure, we we all know he's been killing himself for years with the sauce. Forever on the gargle. I begged and pleaded with you to quit, did I not? You daft bugger. How many times did you take a vow to stop only to break it? How many times, me darling? Answer me!
6: Whist now, darling? He's beyond here and now in a
1: better place to be sure sure we all know where he's headed him with his dread of the heat wasn't I forever tucking the blanket up around him that I'll be doing no more
3: oh! now Lula I I'll leave her be lad she's not fit for company at present my duty dictates that I've got to do keep... you really suppose that woman destroyed by grief capable of I Arming mean, Teddy uh,
5: is not the time wasting to be anointing the man, Father, or is it too late? How can we ever know that when we haven't a
4: clue when he died? Now
3: we now we have two schools of thought on the matter, canonically speaking. Traditionals say there can be no sacrament without a living being, but theologians of late begun to question when the soul leaves the body.
5: Uh, Unless Uncle Teddy's lingering to savor the moment, uh, should you not be rubbing him up quick like father while the oil can still do the job? Evil descends upon us, dark clouds are gathering.
3: What's your opinion now, Charlie, according to canonical law?
7: Omens circle us like dolmens round our childhood. I saw dark shadows upon the frost of Browns Hill Dolmen this morn.
4: Why, that's three kilometers east of town easy.
5: A sturdy stroll, father. Lost in the fog I was. A uh, mist can be terrible tick of a morning.
7: I strode the way many a time in peaceful prayer, breviary in one hand, flipping pages with the other. A pleasant physical and spiritual exercise always, until this fleecy cloak wrapped me in fear and confusion. Lost in pursuit of my destination, prayer book pages uncertain before me, a chill came over me. Then the mist lifted just a moment the sight of frost on the dolmen. Icy frost clung to the tomb as if to trumpet death is day. Here lies the foul business, to be sure.
4: Father, that dolman, ancient tomb as it may be, is but an artifact now. None consider it to have supernatural properties.
7: Aye, but it shall ever be a portal tomb with a passage to the other world and back. That fact hasn't changed in all these centuries. Death is timeless.
3: Not to your man on the bench, Charlie. I'm going swiftly for poor Teddy,
8: who awaits the sacrament to be applied. Too right, Mr. Kearney. We can wait no longer. The coroner must be summoned.
4: Will we never cease to all this blather about time? Sure, me uncle's newly departed. Body and soul ought yet to be
5: intact. Uh, true for you, Cormac. Still, would it not be best to be sure now, father? I've, I've not the void upon me person.
4: Have you not?
5: Sure,
7: I don't carry them about constantly. It would be a rudeness to the sacrament. Well,
8: the way you go on about death, I only assume. The time for assumptions long past. Tis imperative I contact Mister Doyle.
2: Door burst open to Siobhan, dragging a small fellow of impeccable dress behind her. Greetings and all, this
6: dear lady informs me that my services are wanted. Sure, somebody must pronounce poor Teddy before he decomposes.
2: Scene six. All are brought up short by the sight of the local coroner, Desmond Doyle, at hand when he's needed.
6: I begged Nuala to join us, but she was not up to it.
3: Tis grand to have you all the same, Desmond. Tis too kind you are, Liam. Grand to see you looking so fit. Oh, must keep up the exercise with this occupation. Not that we don't get a bit of workout on the job. Air,
6: Shall we press on to the dearly departed before he becomes odiferous?
3: They girl.
6: There's little cause for crassness. With all due respect, Mr. Kearney, a dead body awaits nothing to depart this realm, leaving foul traces behind. All the lass speaks harsh truth, but truth
0: nonetheless. If father's finished with his ministrations, so then let us proceed. little father cannot help
4: us. Pronounce the uncle's dead, and we'll proceed to the necessary business that must follow.
0: There's no business more vital than the inspection of a human departing our midst.
4: I'm anxious as the next man, if if not more so, to see me Uncle Teddy properly prepared for his celestial journey. It is only that, as sole survivor of the family, the matter of fiscal closure falls to me. Ha! Huh. And what closure would that be?
3: Teddy had a healthy pension from his work as a painter.
4: I prefer has, mister Ken.
3: An affair that will be dealt with in due course.
4: Well I'll be right here to
3: attend to the judgment. Duly noted, mister McCann. Still, the yep. Allocation of those funds remain business for further examination.
6: Begging your pardon, gents, should not the examination of the last remains be of first concern in this matter?
0: Quite right, my dear.
6: To the duty at hand.
0: I see no need for an
4: autopsy, Mr.
0: Doyle. Nor do I, Mr. McCann, unless, of course, there is
5: probable cause. What probable cause could there possibly be, Desmond? An achy old fellow's been called home to his eternal rest. He wants only his passport for burial to leave a tired body behind. Any thanks, dear. Ah, Almost always a routine procedure.
0: This body, uh, body's cold. Suggesting your man's been dead over eight hours, but not stiff. Indicating that the tissues have had time to unstiffen and relax. Teddy McCann's been dead at least 36 hours.
6: Was he harmed in any
0: way? Not that I can see. All signs point to a natural death. Sure, sure. Why wouldn't they be?
8: How is it that Teddy's been expired a day and a half anyway when you brought them alive to the postal station, Cormac?
5: I haven't a clue. Mm-hmm. Would you ever look again,
4: Mr. Doyle? Maybe your findings are amiss. Oh, Not a chance, Boyle.
0: I've seen newly dead corpses by the hundreds in me day. This body's been decomposing 36
8: hours or more. The tissue's in a rapid state of decay. Clearly indicating Uncle Teddy was long gone when he was dragged in here. Now, why is that, do you wonder?
5: Tell the man, dear. Now, see. I don't,
8: but I'm waiting to.
5: What's none of me doing? I I was coaxed into assistant Cormac as a friend, like, doing a Christian deed.
8: For a
4: price, my friend, price. Was it 30 pieces of silver we agreed upon? How could your man literally drag the body of the deceased uncle here to
6: collect his pension? Which by rights is mine now. Oh shame upon ye man, if man ye be
8: whether Teddy's pension if it's to you or not, remains to be determined. What's certain is that there that you too attempted fraud, and I'm guessing postal fraud, which is a federal offence, is it not Mr. Kearney? Oh,
3: now that's a serious offence, I'm thinking more serious to be sure, oh
5: age Scramble! Oh. Oh,
2: leave on me, idiot! Oh, oh, okay. Cormac dodges Declan's grab at him and throws mail in the guard's face to give Dearmouth time to flee behind. Both out the door and gone. We can overtake them, Declan. If, if...
6: Oh, whatever you...
8: I, I believe it be, lass. Are you daft? I would be, I would be to go after that lot, idiots. Egypt just now escaped. Escaped how? They've no automobile. How far will they be getting on foot? Not far at all, I'm thinking. As am I, Mr. Kearney, as am I. God will find them out. Indeed he will, Father. Is an autopsy now in order, Mr. Doyle?
0: Uh, Tis a necessity, I'm afraid. As a crime's potentially been committed directly involving the deceased, Lord knows how hesitant I am to deface his holy work with me blunt instruments. Oh, heavenly construction, so crudely undone. (sighs) So must it be.
6: The Lord will provide.
3: He always does, Charlie. Every single time.
6: Right. As there's not a clock ticking, who's
0: for a cup? As Teddy's remains look comfy enough. Tea sounds grand. Three lumps for me sweet tooth.
3: Uh, Speaking of which, have we any of Mrs. Hennessy's angel food cake left?
6: Only because I hid it from certain anxious hands. I'd not be having any were a devil's food cake. Oh, <laughs> Father.
7: <laughs> may your journey be brief and blissful, Theodore Patrick McCann. And may hosts of Heavenly Angels hide the hope.
0: You've been listening to Postage Due, an original radio play by Steve Falcone and performed by the radio players. Elizabeth Donahue, Peg Falcone, Dick Matthews, Kevin Rathundi. Christopher Rathundi, Pam Matthews, Steve Falcone, Eric Billingsley, and Joe Gray. Postage Due is recorded in the studios of WSIU Radio with post-production and sound engineering by Hanise Coopwood.